Mifton down to Dungeon. Yeah. Um, Mifton peeved. Mifton peeved. That's a way of saying, like, you're angry or you're mad. Don't be miffed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. <laughs> I'm the word. I think it's a real world. It's a real world. It's a real world. I don't use it. It's a real one? I don't use it, but it's real. Not in your vocab? Down to Dungeon. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Right. No. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are proud to announce that we are now part of the CLNS Media Group. So follow them on Twitter on Facebook, all your social media platforms. They'll be a big part of what we do here going forward. So we appreciate them bringing us on board. We're also part of dailythunder.com and we're featured on Dash Radio, 5 o'clock Central Standard Time, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If you're listening on Dash, we are an Oklahoma City Thunder show. And with me to talk about our team is Michele Barra. Michele, what is up? Well, it's uh, we we had a week where we won a game, so it's good. It's, <laughs> we can still be positive and say that well, it's not, everything is is going in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, if I so I, I tell you that the Thunder are twelfth in offense, fourth in defense, and then I think they're eighth in net rating. Like, yeah, that's okay. Are they seventh in yeah. net rating? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's fine, but. It was a bad week. I mean, those oh, are yeah. that Phoenix loss was horrible, and then to come and then to play like they did against Portland, like I can understand like having a bad loss here and there, like that. That's a part of the NBA season. The Thunder, for whatever reason, always play terribly in Phoenix. Uh, you know, they just came off that LA trip where they're. I mean, mentally, that was probably a weird thing, even though they came off two big wins. Uh, so I was like, okay, we can dismiss the Phoenix loss. And then to play like they did against Portland was just real. I mean, that was really, really bad. And then, uh, understandably, they lose to Minnesota second out of a back to back. Like I get that that one. I get. Like I could even justify yeah. the Phoenix and Minnesota losses. And then if they would just beat Portland, great. You know, like that's and they beat Portland and Charlotte. You know, that's a fine week. It's not great, but it's fine. Uh, it was a terrible week. The Thunder played terribly. They regressed. Uh, everybody's talking about how Andre Robertson's like the best player in the NBA and how like if the Thunder don't have him. I mean, Dre is a really good player and he is one of the best five players on this team. But he's, I mean, he's important to this team, but he's not this important to this team. Yeah, I mean, I felt like... Like if you if you think about how good the momentum was uh, in in Los Angeles to go and have this kind of week is really incredible. I mean, I I think that the Thunder are anti momentum, like both in games and like in weeks and in, during during the time. Because if you remember, like like the beginning of the season, they were like going big up uh, up big in the in the first quarter and then. Poof! The momentum uh, drifted always uh, around the second quarter, mm-hmm. and and so you had you had like the the Paul George show in in Los Angeles, and then for some reason in in Phoenix you decide not to play basketball. Like right. they they really didn't play basketball at all. They were just posting up, trying to uh, overpower uh, smaller or lesser defender, and then basically 
they didn't care about defense at all in that game. So I, I wonder how, what mental process um, brings this team to, to have like very high moment and uh, moments and then like terrible, like non-basketball games like the one against against Phoenix and then Portland. So you lose you, you lose badly in uh, in Phoenix and then you go you go like that at Portland. That's that's really weird. It seems like uh, the the three games uh, span where they lost to Boston, well four games span. They lost to Boston. They played horribly in Portland. They played incredibly bad in uh, Sacramento and then they lose to to Denver which was okay well you can lose uh, after like um, four games in five, in five nights mm-hmm. and so it's it there are patterns in this season that are really weird i'm not that worried but it's it's still weird to have like melo and george play like they did for the three game stretch actually they they didn't play uh, good basketball even in, in charlotte they won just because of felton and and the second unit so yeah. they had like a really really bad stretch whereas was if you think about it, Russ was not terrible. Right. It was it wasn't good in Phoenix, but like the other games was okay. I mean, you, you can have your best player to play like okay basketball for a week, but then the other two played like the worst basketball of their season or close to that. I I really don't get that. Yeah, defensively they were both terrible, Paul George and Melo, mm-hmm. and I just found it so annoying against uh, the Hornets. That they're taking so many non-paint twos. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many. It was, it was insane. And they're doing the same thing they did to start the season, where they're like, quote unquote, taking what the defense is giving them, which is pump fake at the three-point line, take two dribbles in, and then shoot. And mm-hmm. I, I don't. I mean, they they can't be shooting better than thirty percent on those shots. Paul George has missed feels like all of those shots this season. I mean, they're not good shots. And the defense is giving you those shots for a reason. And yeah. for whatever reason, they've fallen back into that. And I don't get it. It was terrible. I thought the Thunder were going to lose the game because of that shot selection. Uh, luckily, Ray Felton and crew came in. And this has happened twice. This happened against the Clippers on the second night of a back-to-back last week. That, that unit comes in and they... All they do, Michaela, is play good basketball. Like they play yep. the pick and roll, they hit the corners, they drive to the rim, and then they play solid defense. And it's like, yep. why can't the starters do this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you should be able to create even better space with the guys you have there. But exactly. I don't understand why they're able to create open three pointers. I think they generated four open threes and like five possessions. Yeah, and the other one was a layup. Right. So, yeah, because yeah, it was like Abrinas in the corner for a three, Patterson in the corner for a three, and I think Houston missed one, and then Jeremy Grant got one at the top of the three-point arc. Yeah, exactly. And they made three of four, and then the game was over. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. well, if that was Paul George or Mello, like those guys are hitting those shots too, but why aren't we generating those shots when we have Steven Adams out there screening and Russell, you know, drawing in the defense? Like, that's how our first unit should be playing. But for whatever reason, they just pass the ball a couple times and then dribble, dribble, mid-range jumper. And it's just, uh, it was maddening. It was absolutely maddening. Adams, I feel, honestly, I feel really bad for Steven Adams throughout this stretch because I feel like he has to cover so many bad defensive rotations. And it ends up kind of making him look bad or it makes him look like he's having bad games. 
but he's really not. Like he's been playing really well. I thought. I thought he was really awesome against uh, the Hornets and Dwight Howard, and you know, his offensive rebounding was just insane. Uh, but they, I feel bad for him because right now he's having to cover for Russell. He's having to cover for whoever's playing the shooting guard, which is Ferguson right now, and he's having to cover for Mello. And you just, that's how you lose games. That's why over this six game span, they're 17th in defensive rating. Like, it's just not, and that's all without Andre. And I, and I wondered this, and Alex Spears asked this. He asked, what are the, what's the Thunder's record without Dre? Like, just say Dre didn't exist and they start the season. Like, mm-hmm. do, I, I tend to think that they would change their defensive scheme and that they would play yeah. a little bit differently. Uh, because right now they're still playing the same system that they would with Dre, but he- the drop off is maybe as big as it gets in the sh- on the shooting guard position from him to Ferguson. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's the reason why they're the 17th in defense without him is because they're trying to do the same stuff, but you just can't replace him. But what do, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I think that um, if you start the season without like uh, a guy like Dre, probably you a you start your um, you, you change your starting lineup, um, and you probably don't put Ferguson in there. Uh, my guess is either you put Abrines or you put Patterson, and you you try to do different things uh, defensively, um, especially if you have Abrines on the floor. Uh, like making him switch hard is not a good thing uh, because I mean he he he's too weak on the post. Uh, and so if you if you have like a sweet, uh, switchy heavy defense and he's not good in passing lane, you will be in trouble. Um, well, not in trouble, but you, you may, you may not have like a, a top 15 defense. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, if you, if you use other schemes, like dropping the beam in the pick and roll and try to have the guard, uh, going over the screen, like they did, um, last season and two seasons ago with, with Ennis, um, then you, you can probably do different stuff and have like, a like an average defense and and probably you build up more chemistry in the starting unit with the shooter and so your offense works better because something that we um, like and this is like the narrative that we have right now is that when Abrinas uh, was starting he, he wasn't as effective at Ferguson this is this is plainly false. So the the, the, the game that Abrinas started weren't good games but he, he had like games where we should like five to four uh, 11 or something like that so i mean again you you have to balance the fact that abrinus didn't have much time with the starter and he he wasn't good at at the beginning of the season so if you if you have like him instead of three regularly in the starting unit probably the offense would have been better than the one that we have now and so the record would be similar uh but as you said once you you establish uh um, a very good defensive identity that does something uh, for which Dre is the key, then not having him is uh, is incredibly important. Think about Houston. So Houston base, uh, bases his offense on the ability of, of James Harden to run the pick and roll in a certain way. Uh, when Harden is not there, uh, last season when Harden was not there, the, the, the drop was sensitive. I mean, six or seven points per, per, per 100 possession, which is close to the one that Ray has uh, impact-wise this season on defense. So it's it's not strange that when you when you take out the key of your defense, everything drops. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that makes total sense. 
and he's not supposed to play tonight against the Kings, which is another game that shouldn't matter. What What's the most frustrating about this stretch is that there were games where it didn't matter if he played or didn't play, or at least it shouldn't have mattered. That Phoenix game should not have mattered if they played Andre or they played me. Like, they should yeah. win the game. Um, yeah. It's it's just bad but Abrinas I thought in the second half in particular I thought he played well and I yes. thought that he held up fine defensively and I thought that you could kind of see his confidence coming back a little bit in the way that he was playing on both ends uh, and if he can play like that you know in, in a stretch and I know like Charlotte's tired they're on the second night of a back to back a really weird back to back where they have to play like you know three hours earlier than they usually do I mean, it's just an odd time, yeah, odd bad. game. Uh, I know, it, but at the same time, if Abrinas can get his confidence back, I think that's a huge thing for this team. I don't, and we mentioned him as like a trade candidate a lot because I do think that he could help bring something back to the Thunder that they mm-hmm. could that could be useful, even though he's been playing yes. poorly. Like he still has a really good reputation as a shooter. There's a lot of organizations that would really, really like to have him and that would probably use him better than the Thunder have, frankly. Um, probably. And so if he can come in and play like that, awesome. Like you've added a you've added a really good piece to this Thunder team. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Ferguson too. What do you what do you think of how he's played as the starter? What do you think about like relative to like your expectations of him? Uh, what has he what has he done, and what are your thoughts on him? Well, I had mixed feelings about him because I I can see um, why Billy is trying to play him as much as he can mm-hmm. um, because he's long, he's athletic, he can hit um, a shot. Well maybe not a, a good clip right now but the issue to me uh, and I, I go back to our like conversation during the summer about these he's still uh, very young very young in terms of uh, understanding of uh, of the basketball uh, defense and the basketball offense mm-hmm. so he he's learning for sure because sometimes he he is in a good spot in terms of um, um, like going to the passing lane uh, against the clippers he was good defensively. And then the next game, he's horrible. And maybe the next game, like against Portland, he's guarding, um, he was guarding probably either Turner or McCallum or one of the two. These are like difficult matchup for a rookie. And so uh, in some sense, I, I like what he did in, in parts, but to play him that many minutes in um, in this pen, like when, when your, your team is struggling, I'm not sure if that is totally beneficial to him and to the team because, like, having a confident Abrinas is better than having, um, like, a good rookie in, in coming playoffs time because he will not play. He, he, I'm, I'm almost 100% sure that his contribution coming playoffs time will be non-existent. Can you play him against Butler regularly? This is this will probably be the first matchup that the Thunder will face. Can you play him against Teague or against Wiggins or against Harden, Gordon, Curry, Thompson? No, not for a single second. And you probably don't have you cannot play either him or Abrinas if if you if you if you look at it closely. But still, Abrinas has one year more of experience. So uh, again, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too pessimistic on the on the opportunity on the possibility to have him ready uh, for like ten minutes during the playoffs and. And again, if 
Billy Donovan, for some reason, um, succeed in having him ready for postseason, then hats off. I mean, it's, uh, but it's hard to see him uh, being competent uh, coming playoffs time. And then uh, why having him there so many minutes when you can play Patterson more? Um, so that's, this is something that really bothers me is the fact that Patterson is not playing more than 20 minutes regularly. And if you take like two or two minutes from Ferguson, two or two minutes from Grant, and maybe two or two minutes from Melo, then you have those minutes. You just have to use them because he's exactly what you need, a floor spacer or defender that helps you generate good shots. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And just your point on can you play these guys irregularly against these playoff caliber wings? And the answer is no, probably for him and Abrinas. And mm-hmm. I say Abrinas because... I don't think Donovan trusts him. I don't think yeah. Donovan will trust to play him against those guys. I honestly think he'll trust you, trust Ferguson more. I, I, I think that I don't think that he should play, mm-hmm. but I would not be shocked at all to see Ferguson get minutes in the playoffs if they don't make a move for another wing. And which I do think they'll make a move for somebody else that will make this, you know, negate this conversation. But I think he'll play Ferguson. He, for what Billy has his guys that he really likes. And Ferguson is one of those guys. Abrinas is not one of those guys for whatever reason. I would think that he played Patterson more than he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would think that he'd like the things that Patterson does. He moves the ball well. He's a passable defender. He can shoot it. Uh, I don't know. But he, for whatever reason, he's really latched on Terrence Ferguson. Ferguson, since he started, has shot 34% from three, which is a little better than I thought. Mm-hmm. Um but he has been detrimental. That starting lineup has been a negative, and they have been a massive positive all season with Dre. And just by adding him, it makes them makes it a negative lineup. And it's it's also been the case that these guys have not played well. You know, in the past six games, they played well in L.A. and Ferguson played really well there. And then we kind of got to see the real chance Ferguson. Um, in Phoenix and Portland, Minnesota and Charlotte. And it's, he's just not ready. You can see the flashes. He showed flashes in Los Angeles, but he's, he's just not ready. And I can see him in a couple of years, you know, being a three and D wing that will be better defensively, that will know where to be and, you know, hit threes and he can drive and he can play in transition. And I think that that's a great guy to have, but, uh, He's currently 19 years old, and he's skinny as a rail, and is jumpy, and doesn't know exactly where to be on defense. Although I think he has improved defensively since the beginning of the season. Um, but I agree with your premise that you know he's not ready. I don't think he'll trust us either, and that's like all the more reason why they should go find somebody else. And one of our trade targets, Tavares unfortunately, is out for the season. And I don't know mm-hmm. if that makes it more or less likely that they trade a guy like Alec Burke, so they. Would, Look to trade another one of their wings, um, but I still think the Jazz are a really good target because if I'm if I'm the Jazz man, I'm just tanking. Like if they could get yeah. Luka, Luka Doncic on their team, like holy moly, like that would be so great. Like that would <laughs> they know they would yeah. know exactly how to use him. They would. I, I just feel like if you're a, if you're a Jazz fan right now, you're rooting for them to you know play close games and lose up until the end of the season, so you can get a high draft pick and try again. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I have to look at the standings because I don't know how far they are from the bottom of the league uh, in terms of record. Yeah, they are still pretty high, but not 
very far from the worst team because they have like 17 and 25 and Dallas is 15 and 29 and is um, yeah. uh, the um, yeah and then they, you have Memphis, Grizzly, Sacramento, Orlando, and the Hawks that are probably out of your reach. But yeah, you, you can tank. Uh, and to be completely honest, uh, I feel like having Trey Young in Utah would be awesome as well. Oh, man. <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> yeah. They, and again, they would use him well. They have a good enough defensive scheme already to kind of protect Exactly. Them. They've got great screeners. They've got great passers. Holy moly. Like yeah. Trey Young would be he would be a star there. And I and I yeah, don't know sure. I don't know that and we've talked a little bit about this off the show. I don't know that Trey Young will be a star everywhere he goes. Um mm. but I th- I think if he lands in Utah, like you're talking about you're talking about an all star, easy to me. Well the I think about how, how good they were with um with a good three point shooter in George Hill. Right. And Donovan Mitchell is uh, like on his way to be like a very good player. Um, imagine to give him a back, uh, like a, a, a backcourt mate uh, can, that can shoot from basically, I mean, everywhere, the yeah. core. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that can pass the ball like, like Trey does. So, I mean, that combo would be pretty fun to watch. And all of this paired with a, probably one of the, best rim protector of the league if not the best and Rudy is also able to to, to set amazing screens yeah. and all of that you can add an amazing passer as Joe Ingles that can hit a three whenever he has the ball in his hand so yeah uh, that if you if you are like fifth seventh if you, if you choose like a, a five to, to, to seven or even four to seven I mean and you have good screeners you should really have looking hard at Trae Young mm-hmm. yeah Without a doubt. Uh, let's move on to this week's games. Anything else on this stupid, terrible week <laughs> before we move on to the no, previous? No. You spoke about like the dribble jumper, uh, the mid-range dribble jumper. Yeah. I have the, the number of the dribble jumper in, uh, according to Synergy. Uh, they took like 758 uh, possession when, when they took dribble jumpers, which is the 23% of, your, of their offense, 24 almost. And they generate 0.8 uh, point per possession, which is 25th in the league. So it surprised me. It surprised me that there are teams that are worse than UKC <laughs> taking triple jumpers. Uh, yeah, they have. It, it's it's really bad. And if you look, um, Synergy has this um, assists uh, shot chart that I glanced uh, a couple of minutes ago about how many um, in, how many um, corner trees. Uh, Raymond Felton assisted uh, during the season mm-hmm. and the number is not high it's uh, 20 or 20, uh, 20 something but the issue to me is Russ assisted on 50 hmm. 50 made uh, from, the, from the corner which is oh. just twice So and Russ plays plays more than twice the minutes oh. uh, with the ball in his hands yeah. so I think that again t- one thing that OKC has to do and they did for for like part of their good winning streaks is to have Melo in the corner or Paul George in the corner because it's too important to have a guy there that can spread the floor and knock down um, an open three. That's why I think that playing Patterson more with the first unit, mm-hmm. as, as soon as you can put him there, like just go with it, go with him. Like if you have Melo and Patterson on the floor and 
you have more space. Like if 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 you play like for like five minutes a game, uh, Melo, George, Patterson, uh, and one between uh, Adams and uh, or or Robertson, you can have a great offense just because Patterson is there. And um, from the corners, I can look if you give me one second how how he's shooting from the corners because I have it here. He's excellent in spot-up situation. Yeah, so the right corner is 52.6%. Yeah. And the other one is 33. So the, the total is 16 for um, 16 made and 37 uh, attempts, which is still very good. Yeah. So just give him um, corner threes opportunity and your offense will work. And that's why uh, the, um, the lineups with Patterson and another shooters um, plus a, a good screener works with Felton because the, the screener goes high to set the screen for Felton. Felton just dribble the, uh, dribble the ball. And then you have one wing and two uh, guys in the corners. Mm-hmm. Like the defense has to make a choice. If they double Felton, he can, he can pass either on the wing or in the corner. And if the, if the, if they're uh, like the screener doesn't roll as Grant, he's probably wide open. So it's, it's really easy to generate these kind of shots. If you're willing to go there, uh, to to occupy that spot. So here's my idea with that second unit because we we're we've always talked about staggering Paul George or staggering Mello with them. What if you just put Stephen Adams with that group, and he is that mm-hmm. screener, and he can offensive rebound. I mean, the the lineups with Paul George they just do not work. The lineups mm-hmm. with Mello like there's some favorable favorable numbers there. Yeah. Um, but for Paul George is just awful. And yeah. I just think back to that Golden State game. Like, what did they do? They pulled Adams first. They let him yes. come in and play with that second unit. And they gave Grant run with that first unit, which fits really well because they switch everything and they're just yes. running the floor. And he all, I mean, he, all he does is give like great energy, you know, and is if he's there in the right spot for a shot block, you know, that gives that, those guys great energy too, to, to see that and his dunks like great. I don't understand like why that just went away, and I feel like that could really help that second unit is if they have a great screener like Adams out there who can offensive rebound like crazy and give these shooters you know extra chances and you know give Felton a really good screen to you know get to the basket uh, I mean I just feel like that would work and it did work against Golden State, and I just don't know why they went away from it. I have a theory. And do you remember how many minutes uh, OKC played with Westbrook, Waiters, uh, uh, Robertson, Durant, and Ibaka during the regular season, mm-hmm. like two seasons ago? Like I, I think it's no you said more Grant? than fifty. Uh, Dre. Dre, I said Dre. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Robertson, uh, Westbrook, Waiters, uh, KD, and Ibaka. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I think that they didn't break the fifty-minute mark. Together. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, they they didn't play as much. So, I mean, I I remember a game against Memphis, where they were like fifteen apiece in the first quarter, and then Billy did this, and they played like this uh, famous spread pick and roll with like five four shooter and uh, Dre as a screener for like a couple of possession and Ibaka uh, as a center, and they basically made a run of like fifteen zero or something like that. They were up big after a few minutes i remember it distinctly, i remember it clearly because i said oh, wow this is the lineup that they should use and then basically never played like that mm-hmm. for very few minutes parts minutes here and there 
And then coming playoffs time, boom, that lineup is there, and they played it against Golden State, and they almost beat them. Yeah, they use it all and, the time then. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder, I really wonder if sometimes Billy sees something that really works and then he he, he he tries not to use this as not to use it as much because he knows that if you just put those players and use just that substitution pattern on the court, that mm-hmm. will work. Um it's weird. Uh if you if you if you look uh, at coaches like Carlisle and um or Brad Stevens as soon as they find something that works, they will use it during the season. Uh, right. They will probably try to put Sam Yojale on LeBron or they do something weird to, to, put, to put Cleveland in, in, uh, in trouble. But then teams can study those things. So you have to find a, a right balance. And I feel like the use of Patterson, uh, he will probably try something more because to me he's, he's playing like not this many minutes. But to, to use Grant as a center and um, Grant and Patterson uh, – in, in the beginning of the game to have then Adams with Patterson and George uh, is something that he, he knows that as soon as he put those uh, those lineups there, everything will work like a charm. Mm-hmm. And so um, if you want to have a chance in the play, like to, in the postseason, then you have to keep something for yourself uh, and just to use it there. And so, yeah, that, that this may be a theory and that is completely uh, nonsense, but I think that part of the reason can be uh, found in this uh, kind of uh, strategy of, of being. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. It's I mean, I understand it and I get it. And come playoff time, you're going to be like, oh, great. Like, they weren't able to prepare for the The other team wasn't able to prepare for this. And, you know, here the Thunder are you know, using these lineups at work, but during the regular season, it's just incredibly frustrating. Cause like, you know that they have these things that yeah. work, uh, yet they're playing all these lineups that there's plenty of evidence that they don't work and that mm-hmm. they're not effective. Like we don't need to get us a, a larger sample size on these Paul George with, you know, Grant and Patterson and Abrinas and Felton. Like we we have a large enough sample size that says that those are really bad and they give up a ton mm-hmm. of points. Like let's just leave those alone. Uh, but he keeps using them. And you know you kind of remember that last KD season. Their regular season was incredibly frustrating. Like they yeah it was they weren't that great. I mean if you look back like they that was the season where they couldn't beat any of the elite teams in the regular season. They couldn't beat Golden yeah. State. They couldn't beat San Antonio. They couldn't beat Cleveland. And you know what? Come playoff time, no one put them in the conversation for the title because of it. Exactly. What's in this? This team is, for whatever reason, the opposite. Where they've been able to beat all the elite teams, and they just suck against the bad teams. Um, but a lot of it, I don't think a lot. Maybe not a lot of it. Some of it is this tinkering with the roster. And I, would, I wouldn't I would say that a majority of the losses are because they tinker with the lineups. I would say a few of them are. Like I would, I would well, for certain say that Milwaukee game is a game where Billy tinkered with things way too much. He got way too cute in that first quarter, and they lost the game in that first quarter. They didn't, to me, I, I know that Giannis stepping out of bounds really sucked, but they lost the game because they started the game so poorly. And it was a lot of it to me was because of the lineups that Billy chose. Um, have you, have you seen LeBron's tweet about that? <laughs> was yes. <laughs> I did. I saw if he was in a KC, he would have. <laughs> oh boy. It's so great. Yeah. You know, we don't, oh, yeah. LeBron, we don't need that. Like we, the, the chip on our shoulder is 
quite huge, so we don't we don't need that anymore. But it's just it adds fuel fun. to the fire. <laughs> so, what's the over under on LeBron taking Russ uh, uh, and? Anthony, uh, can, can he take like uh, can the captain ch- ch- choose between? I don't, I don't, didn't study the the rule of the All Star game, but oh. can he choose among the all the, the the players or like from both conferences or they still are Western and East? Yeah, both conferences. Both wow. Conferences. So yes. Yeah, so I was wrong. Okay, oh, I was right. Okay. So I think that if you if you saw like the tweets that uh, Wade and uh, and Melo and LeBron are doing, mm-hmm. uh, they they are putting like groups of players. Uh, well, Melo all in one week so that it doesn't count. But anyway, um, so I I think that we will see a, a lineup with LeBron, Melo, Russ, and PG all together. <laughs> yes. Because, yeah, because Curry will not choose any of them. So yeah. I, I think, I think LeBron uh, or or KD he will not take like anyone from yeah. OKC uh, if he ends up winning. Did you hear KD so, yeah. say that he didn't want to be the captain? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, I mean, don't. he's to- don't. To- to- totally KD. Totally KD. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't even talk about it. Okay, let's go on to our <laughs> previews for this week. Uh, the Thunder play the Sacramento Kings tonight. They are 13 and 29, 15th in the Western Conference. Uh, they've lost four in a row currently. They got smashed by the Clippers, uh, 126 to 105 uh, a couple nights ago. Uh, this is not a good team. The Harry Giles, their rookie who had terrible knee problems coming uh, out of the draft, is not playing. Uh, it won't be back until around February. Uh, Frank Mason has a partial tear um, of his uh, plantar fascia tear uh, and is out for four to six weeks. I really like Frank Mason. I really liked him in the draft. He's really, I think he's going to be good, a good backup. And then Papi Giannis has been out uh, the last three games with illness, and they don't know if he'll play tonight. Uh, This is a really bad Kings team, uh, but we do know that the Thunder have lost to this bad Kings team. One of their 15 wins was against the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, not too long ago. Uh, and so I feel like the Thunder are kind of on a revenge tour right now where they are they have to beat Charlotte because Charlotte beat them earlier and now they need to get their revenge against Sacramento because they... You know, they, they came out, you know, on fire against that Kings team and then they just stopped playing basketball. They just ended it. They thought the game ended after the first quarter. They were wrong. They lost the game. And so the Thunder play them again tonight. Any like real thoughts? This is, this is a horrible Kings team. I think they're like close to last in offense and defense. They're just not any good. Um, so what, what are your, what are your thoughts on tonight's game? Well, I have a few numbers here today. So I, I'll, I will rely heavily on numbers. And this thing uh, like caught my eyes because they, I was looking at the catch and shoot uh, in half court. Mm-hmm. And like Sacramento is fifth uh, in guarded catch and shoot opportunities. So they are scoring 1.049, uh, so 1.05 uh, points uh, per, um, per possession in catch and shoot, in guarded catch and shoot opportunities, mm-hmm. which is like surprising, you say, well, wow. Uh, so let's see how many they, they have unguarded. So they have like roughly the same number of possessions, but they score at the worst clip. So, oh, really? so when they are unguarded, yes, yes, it's, 
they are 1.02 in in unguarded catch and shoot, which are like 30th in the league. Wow, that so, is the most king's thing you've ever read. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's it's really really weird to 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 have something stats like that that you can you should better when people are actually actively guarding you, and it's like they are last and by far. So Philadelphia, which is um, just. Uh, above them, it's uh, 1.02. And you know, can you guess who is 28th in the league in open, uh, unguarded catch-and-shoot opportunities? You will never guess that. Um, I'll never... Okay. Uh, the, the Warriors. No. <laughs> uh, the Spurs. Yeah, close, close, but no. Houston. Yes. Really? Yes. Yes. 1047. That's weird. It's weird. It means that they have a lot of margin, <laughs> yeah. which is scary. No, the worries are, are great. Like one point two, one four. It's okay. It's I was like fourth in the league. I don't think their role players have taken that many shots, but <laughs> no, no, no. They are good. Yeah, and OKC as always middle of the pack in everything uh, offensive wise. But anyway, yeah. uh, speaking about the Kings, yeah, they, they, this, this stat is really, really weird. Uh, who? Who do, you, who do you enjoy watching on the Kings? Is there anybody? Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, well, how they are currently playing, not many of them. Um, I, I love Bogdan Bogdanovic back in Europe, and I think he's having a much better season than I anticipated. He's playing, which is the the most interesting part, uh, probably because Vlade loves him, and so he forces uh, everyone, uh, the coach, to play him, which is a good thing, because he, he was a pro uh, in Europe, and he always played for like the best competitions and on the best teams. And so and he also served uh, under the best European coach of all time, probably, uh, Obradovic. Um, which for the first year of his career, he was just benching him and probably beating him uh, with his bare hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obradov is, is a legend. And, and so, yeah, Bogdanovic is... Uh, I, I, I like him. Uh, I think he's a brilliant with defense and less shooting, a bit less uh, shooting potential, but more defensive potential and also more creation in terms of pick and roll. And coming into the draft, like coming to the season, I love the idea of the Aaron Fox. Their results, they are not great, but also I saw him, I saw uh, the Clippers game, uh, part of it, um, at, at, a, at a certain point, I just decided to stop because I couldn't take anymore. Yeah. But still, the Aaron Fox uh, has to play in a pick and roll heavy um, game, and like Sacramento uses a lot of handoff, handoff, uh, and then the ball moves stagnantly from one side of the three point line to the other, and then they give the ball. They either penetrate or they give the ball uh, at, the, at the elbow to. Um, to Zach Randolph and that's it. So uh, I really wonder how he will do in a, in a more spread system. And the, the weird thing is that Sacramento has the shooters to, to, to create a spread um, system where you have uh, Hill, uh, then uh, Hield, and maybe Fox and Bogdanovich. I know that this is a small lineup, but they are, they are all athlete uh, and with a good center like uh, Kaldestein. That should work. Yeah. And for some reason, they are not using him um, in this kind of situations. When when he uses the pick and roll, he's actually, um, I think he's a, f- a fine player pick and roll wise. Yeah, this Kings team. I'm trying to find this. 
they may be the only, they may have the players with the lowest scoring average in the NBA because they don't have a guy that's averaging more than fourteen points per game, and that's Zebo. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to see if there's. I don't think there's another team that has a guy that's <laughs> that low for them not to have a at least a twenty point score is like really unusual. Like it's very unusual for them to have such low scoring numbers. Peak, peak, you say. In terms of uh, like, uh, yeah, if you look at the distribution, though, uh, you can you can have an idea why. So Zebo takes like the 13% of their possession, Buddy Hill the 11th, same as Kauli Stein, then De'Aaron Fox 10%, Bogdan Bodanovic close to 10%, Garrett Temple 9%, George Hill 8%. So basically you have like a very distributed uh, way of handling possession. So it, it means like offensively that no one will be... Uh, at a very high level, and yeah. to have like Zach Randolph to to have just fourteen points, averaging averaging the ter- like thirteen percent of their possession is something uh, that you can look at as a uh, a warning sign. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, Zebo with almost a thirty percent usage rate—that's not great. <laughs> he's almost he's twenty eight percent usage. Um, with at his age being in the league, I think he's been in the league like seventeen years. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's why you're such a bad team. Six, Sixteen yeah. years for Zebo. Um, yeah, this this is just not a good team, and we all know that the Thunder are really good at making bad teams look good. So uh, be prepared tonight, Thunder fans, for this game to go down to the wire because the Thunder are just good at making the Kings look like they're an awesome team. Uh, the Lakers they get the Lakers at home again on Wednesday night, seven o'clock tip. Uh, We've seen the Lakers very recently, and they mm-hmm. were not any good. Uh, they are 15 and 27. Uh, you know, they let's see. They're actually on a four-game win streak currently. Lonzo's back. Lonzo is back. The, they beat Dallas. Uh, they beat San Antonio the other night. Uh, they yeah. didn't play anybody that night. They beat this Kings team that we played tonight, and then they destroyed Atlanta. So they're on a they're on a four game win streak. Those are all really bad teams, uh, but they they've kind of got their lineup back, and they're kind of a frisky team. They have been all season. They had a really really bad stretch, and the Thunder got to see them in that bad stretch. Um, but yeah, they're again another bottom of the barrel team that can win some games here and there. That can get hot, and you know. It just really, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of these should be gut check games for this Thunder team. They're not important. They're not must win. They're not any of those things. But to me, they're, it's, it's just a gut check. Like, what do you, like, what do you want out of this season? You know, what do you, what do you want for your team? Do you guys want a chance to stay in the four or five? Because right now they're, they're awfully close with Denver and Portland. Uh, It's like kind of scary close with those teams. And, Minnesota has distanced themselves from the Thunder a couple a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. I thought, you know, the Thunder are probably going to wind up the four seed and get home court advantage against the Timberwolves, and you know that that will help them move into the second round. And now, like the Timberwolves are on fire right now. Yeah, I don't know if they'll continue playing like this, uh, but they're really good and so good that the Thunder should be a little bit scared of the way that they can play, how bad they can play. Uh, that Timberwolves team could beat them in the first round. You know, if they played today, I would. I'll still give the Thunder a good chance to win, but you'd have to definitely 
consider picking the Timberwolves against this team. Mm-hmm. I think by season's end, I think the roster will change a little bit. I think you'll have Dre back. I think that things will change a little bit. But, you know, this Thunder team, I think that they're just arrogant. And I think that they just think that they can just show up and things will happen for them. And they haven't lost, I guess they haven't lost enough games to realize that the, that that's not the case. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. This Again, this Lakers team, not a good defensive team, a team that the Thunder should throttle uh, because they did that uh, on their home court not too long ago. But let's, uh, I guess we'll just see which Thunder team shows up. Yeah, I mean, they... They, they have their destiny in their hands, like every game. Um, they they can compete against anyone, and if they lose badly against a bad team, it means it's just on them, uh, not on the other team. Mm-hmm. Um, oddly enough, I I think I wasn't looking closer to the record since like a week, but the, the Timberwolves, if they play like that, they will not end up being the the, the four seed. Sure. I don't think so. Yeah, well, they could, I mean, and that's a scary thought, too. The Thunder could end up playing San Antonio in the 4-5 yeah. matchup. Yeah. Yeah, they are four game, five game and a half behind San Antonio, OKC. So they, and, and Minnesota is just half a, a game back, uh, San Antonio. So it's hard to see the Thunder being in the top four. And, and to be honest, I mean, they... The, like the, the eighth seed is just one game and a half behind. The ninth seed is just one game and a half behind. Mm-hmm. So they really have to play. I mean, they they this week they should go into Cleveland being two zero, and then see what happens. Because the Lakers, yeah, the Lakers are not. I mean, they can win games. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they have uh, enough young talent that if one game is everything is going in, they 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 are scary. They can mm-hmm. uh, they can beat you, but. Like you know, KC probably Trey will be back either against them or against Cleveland. You have these two games to to tighten up your your defensive schemes, like you did in Charlotte. Try to really get two good games and then go in Cleveland with like your mind clear without any uh, issue regarding like like if you if you lose like two games uh, in the first two games of, of this week, you are not in the in the playoff picture anymore. So I mean, it, they they really have to 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 put themselves in the best situation to go in Cleveland with like a clear, clear mind and just play basketball and, mm-hmm. and see where they are. Yeah. We can move on to the Cavs and, and then be done. The, this is a weird Cavs team and mm-hmm. people are talking about like, should we be worried? And we've seen this team not be good in the regular season quite a bit. And then they recover. I mean, it's, it's just an odd situation. They're the 29th ranked defense. You know, their defense is worse than the Suns, the Magic, the Hawks, the Bulls. Like, that's really, really bad. Up, You know, up till this point, I mean, that's really, really bad. Uh, this should be a team that the Thunder kind of match up well against, I feel like, because they've got, if, especially if Drake can come back then. I don't know. I don't have any indication of when he's coming back at all. Um but it seems it seems like that could be a day that he could come back. So if Dre comes back, like you have guys that you can throw at LeBron, him, and Paul George. Uh, if they start Kevin Love, you know that's a pretty good matchup for Adams to grab offensive boards and kind of play you know his game. And then the Thunder defense has has 
still been okay, you know, especially if Dre comes back. Like they're gonna they're gonna be okay. Um and the Cavs defense is just not. But we all know this Cavs team can turn it on. They play Golden State this week as well. So like they could you could see the Cavs turn a corner uh and, and become a good team because they've got LeBron James on their team. Uh but pretty much everybody outside of he and Kevin Love uh, have been pretty disappointing this season. You know, guys like J.R. Smith have had a really down season. Tristan Thompson hasn't really been very effective. Jay Crowder, who I thought was a really good piece for them and was going yeah. to be a really good piece, has really struggled this year. And what's and this will tell you how much he struggles that Jeff Green has like basically taken the spot that we thought Jay Crowder would have. And Jay, Jeff Green is still the same guy he's been for the last you know five or six years. Uh, so this is it's it's hard to say like the th- like, I think they don't have a good chance to go into Cleveland and win um, but it just depends on the mindset and I don't have I have questions on how the Thunder are going to play at home against these bad teams the Kings and the Lakers but I I do think that they'll show up and especially it's like the first like ABC game of the season you know Thunder mm-hmm. Cavs like that's it's a big big game Russ will get up for this game uh, Mello will show up defensively that that would be wonderful I think Paul George is a Paul George has talked about how he wants to be on national TV and he wants to be on the big stage and here is one of the biggest stages you know of the season here on national mm-hmm. television so I think the Thunder will show up. I also think the Cavs will show up. I think LeBron will want to win this game. So it, I think it'll be a really fun one. Yeah, and it's it's really incredible how LeBron is playing this season. He He's having numbers that probably he never had in his entire career. Mm-hmm. And like he's amazing in transition, amazing in spot-up situation, amazing as a ball, uh, pick-and-roll ball handler. Uh, like he has numbers all over the, the board that are just nonsensical. And so um, basically the Cavs are where they are just because how LeBron is playing offensive wise. Um, because even if you look at the parts, uh, I mean, to be such a, as good as an offense as they are, um, it, it was not like automatical uh, at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And if LeBron has like a normal season, like the one that he has been, like last season or the one before, um, that I think that OKC, uh, like Cleveland, is not uh, in in that spot. It's probably closer to a 500 team than, than where they are now. And I mean, it's it's really unbelievable what he's doing. Uh, and seeing like OKC going at them and having like Paul, maybe we will see the Paul George uh, LeBron James matchup um, in that game for sure. It's it's really interesting and I look forward to that because I mean again LeBron James playing like he's doing this season is something unprecedented and so um, like as you said doing it in national television ABC uh, it's something that it's worth looking it's worth watching yeah yeah no question and he I mean I think one of the biggest things with LeBron is that he is shooting and making threes at a pretty impressive clip he's 38% on five attempts per game and that was always like the one thing about LeBron that, you know, he's not a great three point shooter. Well, now he is. <laughs> and yeah. he's absolutely unstoppable. 27 points per game, nine assists, eight rebounds, an assist, almost two steals and a block. I mean, like, he's just absolutely insane. And at his age, he's 33. Uh, 
I don't know if there's been a guy that has stayed at his peak as long as LeBron has. And, you know, he's the reason why this team can be 29th in defense. And you can still say, you know what? This team has a pretty good shot to go to the final still (laughs) because they have this guy. And you just can't, can't question him. You cannot question him. They may lose to the Thunder. They may lose to Golden State. They may lose to Orlando this week. But still on Sunday, I'm going to wake up and say, I'm picking the Cavs to go to the finals because they have LeBron James. And at the end of the day, uh, if you look at this playoff record, like you just don't question it. If he's got shooters in which they do, he's got, you know, star role, star supporting players and Kevin love. And if they can get Isaiah Thomas back on track and playing well, then like this again is a really scary Cavs team. And there's not really anybody in the East that I would look at and say like, wow, like they're ready. They're ready yeah. to take this from the Cavs. Even though, I mean, I know Toronto just absolutely stomped them the other night, but still, like you just, I don't know what I don't know what it would take. Like, what would it take for you to believe that a team is going to beat the Cavs in the playoffs? Mm, that LeBron is not playing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I mean it's uh, you have to play consistently for one season at the Golden State level for me to have to question him mm-hmm. and like Toronto has a great uh, as having is having like a great season offensively and they are okay defensively maybe good defensively um, as well like it's not enough. Mm-hmm. If LeBron James is playing, he, he will put like increase his usage rate a ton in the playoffs. And when once he does that, who's going to guard him? Yeah. And who is going to uh, to face him consistently? If you have KD and uh, Thompson and uh, Draymond Green and Curry, then yes, you have you have a chance, and you're the favorite. But if not, like probably if Boston have like has Gordon Hayward back for in in March and with him they go into a like 15 games winning streak and they are looking incredible then you may question it but but in the end you will not bet against him yeah yeah it's you know I I even thought a few years ago like the Hawks that were playing incredible ball like they had a chance. Like I thought, you know, they have a chance to be the Cavs team. Nope, like they no, did not. I think no, they got no swept. star power. <laughs> like uh, as much as you can, as good as you can play in the regular season. And to me, that is the the, the biggest knock on Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have, when you don't have, like a, a star, like KD, like even Russ, um, uh, which is not like as good as an offensive player as KD. Uh, but if you don't have a guy that when everything doesn't work, he can still take it on, him, on, on his shoulders and, and finish the game, like in the playoffs, it's impossible to win. Uh, there are very, very few teams that did it. And uh, you can surely mention Detroit, but man, Detroit had like three close to star level. And mm-hmm. it was probably one in a million uh, series where the like the, the starless team, which again wasn't starless, uh, because uh, like Rip Hamilton was great, Chauncey was great, and Tatum Brim was awesome, and they had like the best defender, uh, probably after Rodman, uh, um, that like that played this bad this game, and so it's 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 almost impossible. Again, Atlanta was 
so good, so soundy. They play an awesome brand of basketball. But in the end, when you have to stop one guy and you don't have the uh, the material to do it, <laughs> and then on the other end, you don't have a go-to guy that can do it all when when needed. It's it's difficult. It's very difficult. And that's where kind of my hope is with this Thunder team mm-hmm. is that they have two, maybe three in Mello that you can go to in the playoffs. Like the playoffs, I think people forget how different the basketball is, mm-hmm. how much things slow down, how important each, each possession is and how you know good your defense has to be. And I feel like the Thunder have a really good formula for playoff basketball and that they have multiple guys you can go to. They've got an incredible defense. They've got, you know, guys that are going to you know make sacrifices you know, on both ends and Dre and Adams and they have Russell Westbrook and Russ, you know, didn't, he didn't have, you know, the players to play within the playoffs last year to help him get there. You know, Victor Oladipo, it's really hard to forget, um, or it's easy to, to forget that he was awful last year yeah, in the playoffs. And if we had like this version of Victor Oladipo in the playoffs last year with Russell, then you're talking about a team that could maybe even knock off the Rockets. But, you know, Oladipo has, he's gotten a lot better and some of that is that he's not playing with Russ, but a lot of it is that he's just gotten better. Like he's just a better player period. Uh, But now you have Russell Westbrook who's had tremendous success in the playoffs and you have Paul George who you go look at Paul George's averages for the playoffs last year because they were crazy against the Cavs. You know, these guys have a lot to prove. Melo has a lot to prove, you know, going forward. And so it's it's a big it's a big playoff run for this team. But I, if they end up being the sixth seed or the you know five seed or whatever they end up being, I still have tremendous confidence that they can make a run. So, um, Michele, anything else? No, I think we said it all. And uh, hopefully, we'll sit down on Monday having a better week than the one that we. <laughs> Uh, we just had uh, in terms of basketball. Yeah. Kelly, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, please follow him on Twitter at Mikey Berra, M I K Y B E R R A. And then follow his project chart side, chart underscore side on Twitter. Both great follows. Check us out on Twitter at down to dunk. Huge. Thanks to CLNS for making us a part of their network. Uh, we're really proud of that. We're really excited for what's to come with down to dunk. Um, as a part of the CLNS Media Group. So huge thanks to them. Uh, Thank you to you for listening. You guys are the greatest. You guys are the reason that we do all this. Uh, We just really appreciate you. Please leave us a five-star iTunes review. We're getting close to 300 five-star reviews. Uh, That would just make my day if we could get there. Also, later I'm announcing the winners of the free Andy's Treats. So if you still want a chance to win that, go retweet our podcast from Friday. And uh, later this afternoon, I will uh, tweet out the winners and then get your addresses and mail you guys a free treat. So uh, do that if you haven't done that yet. I appreciate you guys and hope you have a wonderful day.